Welcome everybody to Emerge From Your Box podcast. I have a very special guest today who I met on the Proximity is Power group following UPW with Tony Robbins. Her name is Karen Birchill and she's a um, data quality um, for Cochlear Australia and New Zealand. So welcome, Carolyn. Thank you. Thank you, Margaret. <laughs> Thank you for being on. Um, you know, Carolyn saw the opportunity to come on the podcast and I thought, why not? You know, the platform is to get to know people across the globe and across Australia and learn a little bit about them. So I'm not going to tell you about Carolyn. I'm going to allow Carolyn to do that for you. <laughs> Well, thank you and thank you for having me. I was intrigued about this um, podcast because I think often in this day and age um, with the invent of internet and people continually texting and predominantly communicating with people online, that the art of conversation and really getting to know each other is dying a little bit. And um, people seem to be content with just surface information about people. And we're losing the art of really getting to know people deeply and understanding their background and understanding their stories about, you know, where they've come from. And people tend to get boxed a little bit about, you know, this is the person I know through work, or this is the person I know as the mother of this child at school, or this is the person that I know through, you know, some sort of sport. And um, yeah, so I hope in uh, sharing my story, or at least a snippet of my story that people will um, realise that there's often a lot more to people than what we realize and if we just take the time to get to know them even in a short space of time we can learn a lot about people yeah I love that you um you know have touched on that because this is exactly the purpose of why I decided to you know create a platform create emerge from your box is to give people the chance to actually have a conversation mm. there are so many beautiful stories and people in our world but for some reason sometimes you know we forget that behind the titles behind the job behind whatever it is that we do there's still a human with a heart and this is all about heart-to-heart connections and just like we were kids you know I'm passionate about the uh, inner child and just you know people communicating and connecting with each other so um, that's so important to me and I'm so glad to have you here and you know share that view with you because the authenticity in conversation these days can sometimes go to the wayside with Mm -hmm. uh, all the things that are happening right and in the digital world um, it can get lost but I love uh, the idea of bringing that back so um, once again thank you so much for coming on. (laughs) My pleasure and if I reflect on that like if I look back um, you know I, I've I lived half my life before the internet or mobile phones existed. You know, I was sort of in my late twenties um, when that came into being, and so when I think about my life before that, I realise how much of that makes me the person that I am today. And so, you know, I mean, I was born in Australia, but at a very young age, I was uh, 12, I think it was, we moved to um, Papua New Guinea. It was um, shortly after my uh, my younger brother had died, unfortunately, from a, a rare kidney disease. And that really put our family into a world of t- turmoil and it was unexpected. And, mm. and so my parents wanted a change, um, you know, because when you're 
in your grief and, you know, surrounded by everything that reminds you of that person, it can be quite challenging. And so we moved to Papua New Guinea and my dad left before us. And I remember arriving in Papua New Guinea. I'd never been to a country like that before. And uh, I'd left Australia and it was in June and it was winter. So it was really cold and it was a Qantas flight. And then when we got off the plane, my mum and I, it was in the old days where you took the stairs down and you walked on the tarmac, right? So we walked out on the tarmac and it was so hot. You could see like the heat wave kind of in front of you. And I looked out and there was just this fence, like this uh, wire fence. And I looked out to this wire fence and there were all these Papua New Guineans and they were barely dressed the women were topless they they had red teeth from what I discovered later was from chewing betel nut and then there was my father in a white safari suit I'd never seen him in a white safari suit I don't think I'd ever seen his knees before and so there he was in a white safari suit and I all I remember thinking was where have I come to? Like, what kind of place is this, you know, kind of thing? I can and relate to that a little bit because I came, I actually grew up in Italy as well. So, you know, I love that you touched on the fact that um, before technology, we were doing all sorts of things as kids, right? We were climbing yes. trees, we were yep. running, like we were doing all the things to really connect to nature. And you mentioned the weather. I came from Italy, which was winter in, um, you know, I think it was November, and then to a South Australian summer. So I went from <gasps> snow to like I think it was 42 degrees or something oh that day. Gosh. I went, oh my goodness. And here I am, like, you know, with my stockings on and a little dress on, <laughs> come off the plane. I didn't have dad in the um jungle suit, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we we did look a bit odd. My dad was in a suit. I'm like, I don't think we're dressed for 42 degrees. <laughs> That's it. That's it, you know, and my life just was completely upheaved and, uh, you know, living in the tropics. And, you know, I went to school the next day and uh, I remember halfway through the day we had to all jump up onto the desks because there was this massive bird-eating spider that came into the classroom. And, you know, (laughs) I was just like, every day was like, oh, my gosh, what kind of place is this? And then, you know, on the weekends my dad used to take us, you know. Let's just get our head around that. They had to jump on the desk because yeah. there was a bird eating, eating spider, spider in, in the classroom. classroom it was massive <laughs> right like it was huge and I'd never seen one before and oh my goodness there was pandemonium and you know the teachers <laughs> on the desk too screaming and calling for help and <laughs> I was just like oh my gosh this is you know and I'd come from a girl's private school in Sydney to very this right <laughs> so very conservative <laughs> to being very you know laissez-faire so uh it was wow. um it was a phenomenal experience and you know I, I lived there for three years and went to school there before I um actually transitioned to boarding school in Hawaii of all places and one uh, of my favorite places in the world yeah so on the big island beautiful school on the big island and my my dad Mm. chose that school because um you know he had tremendous foresight because at that time going back to school in Australia um 
boarding school. They were all single sex boarding schools. Mm. And he didn't think that was a healthy environment. You know, since my brother had passed, he didn't think it was very healthy to be growing up in an all-female environment. And so mm. the school in Hawaii was a co-ed boarding school. So he felt that that was um, more worthwhile. And the reason why he wanted to send me to boarding school was because I started to speak more pidgin than English. <laughs> and uh, so he thought this was not good. And so hence, and you know, in those days, so I was 13. And it was a direct flight from um, from Port Moresby in Papua New Guinea to Honolulu in Hawaii. And I only mm -hmm. found out a week before I was going that I was going to boarding school. And your parents just put you on the plane. What an adventure. I've been and so to the I'm big just island. put on the plane. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the big island is beautiful. Well, my darling, you're going to school. And yeah. anyway, 10 hours And here's later, your trunk. <laughs> And someone, and someone didn't even meet me in Honolulu. I had to get oh, wow. from international to domestic on my own to then catch another flight to to the Big Island, right? The and, Big Island is one of my favourite places in oh, the whole world. It's beautiful, that's the, isn't that's it? That's the eldest in the chain of islands in Hawaii, isn't it? I think um, so. Yes, yes, because yeah. it's the yes, it's the biggest, and it was the one that was formed first. I yes. Yeah, and uh, you know, we recently had a volcano erupt there. And, you know, I was able to go there. That yes. Chater of yep. Cranes, um, what was it called? Chain of Craters Road and um, that's it. Kalua, I think it was. When I was at school there, it, it erupted a couple of times and we, mm. we would feel it. I, although we were never affected on our campus, we could feel it. And at night, you sometimes could see the, the lava, you know, shooting into the, to the sky. Yeah. It was quite I've always been attracted to the energy of Hawaii. And when I went there, I just remember... You can't describe it. You have to be there mm -hmm. to feel the energy of Hawaii. And I remember just, you know, obviously taking a selfie, uh, you know, and I don't know, Hawaii is just this magic place. I, I'm really yes. jealous that you went to school there. <laughs> Envious. Yeah. It's It was a, a pretty spectacular experience, I, I have to say. And, you know, as a, as a young girl you know as at the time the only Australian at that school and mm -hmm. you know this this situations that I continually found myself in which played out multiple times in my life where I was literally plucked from one situation and put completely in another and you know in those days we didn't have internet we didn't have phone if you wanted to call for home it was a reverse charge phone call and you'd only did it once every three or four months because it was terribly expensive so yeah. you know there I was 13 on the other side of the Pacific Ocean to my parents and I only spoke to them once every three months and you know I arrived there I didn't know a soul I didn't know anyone else going to school there or anything like that and and you just did it and you just survived you know and and made your own way and I look at these experiences and realize that um, you know our children now miss out on these experiences because what I experienced wasn't uncommon at that time a lot of kids could find themselves in that situation even in Australia you know kids from the country going to the boarding school in the city and that kind of thing and and uh, you know I also put myself in situations as well I um Again, prior to mobile and, com and computers, I hitchhiked around South America with a girlfriend oh, wow. <laughs> for a year, you know, and um, 
at right at the time when cholera broke out. And so we had to end up cooking for ourselves and, um, you know, make our way. We decided we didn't want to fly. So we, we could only ever either hitchhike or take a bus or a train somewhere. And, you know, trying to weave your way across South America, uh, some rather difficult terrains was, was um, an experience. That, that's a dream of mine. You know, I actually grew up in Italy. So I think traveling has been embedded in, in my DNA to, yeah. to pursue. You know, I love that you just took a leap of faith. I did that um, a couple of years ago to Israel. I'd never traveled on my own before, just come out of a relationship that I needed to come out of and then decided to solo venture onto Israel. And I love that you said, you know, no phone, because that's what happened with me. No phone, mm. no map, no friends, no idea, no language, nothing. But it it was so liberating. It was Tremendously so liber- liberating. And it makes you realise actually how strong you really are and how exactly. capable you really are and, and how many resources we actually have internally that you just mm-hmm. tap into during that time because you have to. And, exactly. Uh, yeah. I do yeah, think I remember- a lot of people miss out on that these days. They do. And I remember thinking, you know, I haven't even been to Sydney by myself. I'm originally in (laughs) Melbourne and then just deciding to go to Israel. And at the time the the news was happening, you know, you always hear about things and incidents happening, but it's like saying there's an earthquake in Australia and then it's in Queensland as opposed to Victoria. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, You know, all the things were going through my mind. And some of my friends were saying to me, you know, do you really want to go to Israel by yourself? And I said, yeah, I need to do it. And I remember one moment, um, you know, lying in the Dead Sea thinking, I'm literally at the lowest point on the planet by myself. I don't know anyone and I'm okay. Mm -hmm. You you do. You touched on it before. You really do realise that you've got all the resources within yourself to just look after yourself. Yes. And I think, you know, these experiences then serve and play out in our lives ongoing and so in situations that come up you know in modern times where for a lot of people they're quite challenging we tend to take more in our stride because Mm -hmm. in our younger years we pushed ourselves to these extremes and 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 situations that you know you draw on those resources because I think once you've experienced those resources they never disappear you they may lie dormant for a little while but when you need them they're they're there and um I find now, you know, I have a 13-year-old son and I find now that, you know, I'm I'm trying to replicate that for him to have situations where he can learn what his inner resources are. Um, you know, he's very fortunate. He has travelled pre-COVID with me to about 20 countries and, um, you know, I, I do send him on, on little... Um, Uh, adventures when we're (laughs) overseas so that he can you know experience uh, similar things and realize that he's quite capable because I'd say to him you know when I was 13 I was traveling on my own with my passport and my money across the world you know so I'm sure you could get from here back to the hotel (laughs) by yourself it's so true though because uh, you know I've got a sibling who uh, doesn't know how to ride a push bike you know, mm-hmm. these sorts of things, uh, if you take it on a, you know, minute scale of riding a pushback and then taking it to the other extreme, 13 years old, traveling by yourself, it just doesn't happen anymore. And I feel mm-hmm. like, you know, um, you know, I love that you're educating your son on doing that because it's so important to realize that at the end of the day, no matter what happens around you, 
um, you've got the tools to manage that as long as you have that emotional intelligence and can make that journey within yourself and understand that, um, you know, it, yeah, life, life can be an obstacle race, but yes. you've also got the skills to navigate through that. Yes. And the other thing too, and I guess this is what I really um, enjoy about um, proximity as power is because the other thing that was so strong when we were growing up was the sense of community. And, mm -hmm. you know, anytime you move to a new place, the community always rallied around you. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I mean, I remember in Australia when you people came to your street, um, all the mothers would make something for them and take it round and introduce themselves and have a cup of tea and, you know, and that kind of thing. And, you know, Create when the we, culture. yes, they created that culture that, you know, we've got your back, we're here for you. You know, yeah. we don't have to be in your pockets, but if you need anything, I'm three doors down, just knock on my door, you know, mm -hmm. that, that kind of thing. And, you know, even, you know, I think in my younger years through, through my teenage, I think I lived, uh, it was about eight different countries I lived in. And every country I moved to, the community rallies around you. They welcome you. They invite you to their home for dinner and, you know, that kind of thing. And that's really missing now. And, you know, in the old days, that was very um that really set you up and mm -hmm. it had you making friends and it had you, you know, finding out all the, the, the secret restaurants to go to in town and, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, these days people move in and out of your neighborhood and, and people don't even know. I mean, I make a point of getting to know my neighbors and, and following that tradition. And I think, it's a pity that we're losing a lot of that because I think, you know, like particularly around COVID, that's where um, these situations um, escalate for people in feeling lonely because mm -hmm. there wasn't that established community. Um, that's that right. I totally agree. Mm. Um, the situation has certainly um, forced people to go inwards. You know, we, we haven't been able to go outwards, but a lot of people, because they didn't have that um, sense of community, you know, the, the support around them, even big families, uh, mm -hmm. within big families, you can find that they don't know each other because mm -hmm. they're so distracted by all the things that um, they forget the most important thing is to get to know yourself, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I've certainly seen that with people. We've got a few groups that we started, you know, uh, John was part of uh, one of the first ones when this hit back in March and we, you know, cre created the kindness page for people to just connect, and, mm. you know, people that were, didn't have food or didn't have money or lost their jobs or, you know, just needed assistance financially or emotionally or, um, you know, we were there for them, but I totally agree. And it's interesting you say that because it came up in a conversation just the other day with a friend. We said the same thing. When I came to Australia, it was because my parents had uh, were a part of the community with the church at the time. And it was mm -hmm. everybody coming together, making sure that we had somewhere to live and clothes and food and, you know, the basic things to start the foundation of our lives here. So um, it would be really good to see that come back. Yes. Um, because more now, more so now than ever before, it's um, it's it is missing. Um, yes, and you know, I think when I look back at um, September 11, mm -hmm. right, and I, I know exactly where I was. I was actually in, in um, Bali, and um, I remember hearing about it, and it was almost unfathomable that something like that had happened. Mm. But there was a momentous shift in the way that we lived as a result after that. And people started thinking about, you know, um, 
balance in their life and making sure they ha- they started to have the conversations that they want to have with their loved ones because it might not happen if they mm-hmm. don't you know things can change so rapidly and you know although there were some changes for the negative as well because then you know security became such a big risk and what have you I think there were some really positive changes and I've noticed this with COVID as well with COVID as well as much as it's uh, you know it is impacting um people globally even to a greater extent than 9-11 I feel Mm -hmm. that again it's it's getting people to dig deep and really tapping into resources that they may not have realized that they had it's getting people to reach out and create communities which Mm -hmm. has to be a good thing and it's also getting people to look at themselves in being more compassionate um, Mm -hmm. for others and um, even things like looking at that um, having all your eggs in one basket financially isn't Mm -hmm. isn't a good thing and that maybe we should have multiple income streams and things like that and I think that these are good positive things to come out of something like COVID it's almost like forcing us to relook at the way we live and 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 who we are and how we interact and making us really rethink what life is about and what is community about and 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 that type of thing and so I totally agree with you you know um yes I and I really do feel for the people that haven't um you know um, done so well in this and, and lost their lives and everything but and at the same time, I do see the silver lining. I do see mm. the blessing because, as you mentioned, you know, even on a, yeah, exactly, a financial and income perspective, um, you know, some people lost their jobs because they were doing that their whole lives. That's the only mm-hmm. thing that they've been trained for, but it's opened up the door. You know, there's been a lot of entrepreneurs in the past who, and if you think about it, the average person doesn't have like $400 mm-hmm. saved. Mm-hmm. You know, it's allowed mm-hmm. people to think outside of the box and, you know, something that aligns with them um, to do something different because even in my um, position at work, I was stood down to two days a week. You know, all of us were uh, partial stand down. That affects the whole household, not just of course myself, it does. the whole network. You know, um, I'm lucky that I was able to given it it was during COVID that I decided to you know do further development personal development get certified in things launch a couple of businesses Um, you know I've been doing social media and marketing and all sorts of things to make another few streams of income but it showed it's shown people that even if you do have a corporate job you can do it from home if you've got access to the computer you know and that Mm -hmm. takes away um, one of the things people hate is traffic right mm-hmm. I, my my traffic is is somebody else in the toilet at the time you know <laughs> you know i <laughs> love that <laughs> there's no yes. traffic there's no traffic so and that can that's time right the time that people spend in the car unless they're listening to something that's motivational i personally don't um listen to the radio or watch tv no neither do i yeah i, I listen to podcasts in the car yeah, it doesn't add any value to me, but, you know, it takes away. Think about people that are just sitting there listening to the radio for two hours a day on the way there and on the way back, and they've got that time back, you know, to really, I don't know, spend time with their children or yes. or, or sit in the garden or do whatever it yes. is that they do. One thing that I've um, I've got back, and I never thought that I would, you know, I'm a sole parent and working full time, and so I was never there when my son got home. He, he got home and let himself in. And so now um, since COVID, being able to start early because I can start at six o'clock, finish early so that when he comes home and, um, 
uh, gets in the door, I can, you know, prepare a snack with him. We can have a, have a cup of tea together and a chat. And I just really treasure that hour that we get together when he the, gets home. That, the quality time is so important yeah, because, I mean, I remember, yeah, I remember growing up um, when we first came to Australia, my parents were both working at Holden at the time in South Australia, which is shut down now. Mm. And uh, we didn't get any quality time because they were either working mm-hmm. or sleeping, you know. Um, the only way they could share love and spend time was um, bring home a custard tart or um, mm-hmm. you know apple pie, which I'm addicted to them. They're really bad, <laughs> but <laughs> you got to have some pleasures in life, right? Um, but yeah, it's so important. I really think that this has been a blessing in disguise and gifting people the opportunity to take a big long breath and a big long look in the mirror to see what's really important again. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I cancelled my insurance for six months. I wasn't driving anywhere. You know, it's safe financially that money as well um there are so many blessings in um, what's happened and I just like yourself I'm passionate about showing people that you know and sharing that and and extending the hand and saying if you are struggling um you know financially emotionally physically that there is people out there that care about you yes you know and I think it comes to vulnerability because you know a lot of um the view in society is that being vulnerable is weak. Mm. But actually, I feel that being vulnerable is actually a tremendous strength. Because if you, yeah, it's very courageous, right? Because if you can be, then, uh, and you're willing to be, then that's when you can get the support you need, you can get the help that you need. Mm -hmm. It actually creates greater connections with other people. You realize that you're not alone in these things. And, um, you know, again, with COVID, I think it, it perhaps has, has really forced people, forced their hand to be vulnerable in situations, uh, probably out of desperation. But I think it doesn't matter because once you experience it, then you realise that actually the power of allowing yourself to be vulnerable is, is quite extraordinary. And it's, it's quite actually powerful. very courageous. Yeah. It's quite powerful. You touched on it before. You know, 9-11 changed a lot of people for different reasons. And I noticed that a lot of people hardened up. You know, there's this mentality mm-hmm. and culture out there that you've got to be this like really hard and at it and go get it and all of that. But I think that I think the opposite is needed. People just mm-hmm. need to soften. People need to realize that we are just uh, human beings. You know, it doesn't matter what title you have, what you've done, what you haven't done, all of that. At the end of the day, a heart-to-heart connection is what people are going to remember as opposed to, you know, the title that you had at the time because you made all that money or whatever. Um, and and especially for men, I'm finding now what I'm, I'm loving seeing and hearing is a lot of men opening up and allowing the feminine energy to come in and, you know, and blend in with the masculine energy and just, um, yeah, asking for help. You know, I've got friends now that come to me that will ask me for things that only the girls used to do, you know. Yes. No, we can talk about um, things like, oh, I'm not making my, I'm not feeling confident. I'm not, you mm. know what I mean? It's, it's just a beautiful thing that I've seen grow out of COVID as well. So Yeah. I was listening to a um, podcast by um, Brene Brown mm-hmm. uh, last week, and she was talking about strong back, soft heart, no, strong back, soft front, wild heart. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And it's so, I thought it was such a beautiful way of putting it. Like, you know, yes, you need to be strong so that mm-hmm. you can move forward and what have you, but have a soft front so that you've got, you know, you're you're able to be vulnerable and connect with people and then have that wild heart, you know, that you you love passionately and you give back passionately. And it, it, it so appealed to me because one of the things um, I always give my son a hug and when I do, because you know how, particularly when they get teenagers, they're like, oh, yeah, mum, come on. <laughs> And I'm like, heart to heart, mate, heart to heart. Come (laughs) on, i got to feel your heart. But then when he's there, I feel him go, oh, right? And that's what it's about, right? Like it's that. Yes, the the, yeah. the softness, the front. You've got to have a soft front. If you if you've got a, a wall there, you can't have that heart to heart connection, right? Yeah, and he's taller right. than me now, so you know I sometimes have to stand on my toes a bit to get the heart to heart going. But you know, you need a lot of mum. Yeah, I'm getting a step stool soon. Yeah, it's so true though, and I totally agree with that. You know, strength. You you can have strength and have softness mm-hmm. all in the same. You know, yes. one of my mentors is Bridge Lee because he's mastered the art of you know okay. everything that he does, but at yes. the same time, you know, sort of flow with the softness and the stillness mm-hmm. and the and the ease and grace of water. But um, you know, we don't need that military front. We don't need that tough guy. We don't need the macho and the ego and all of that. We need people to really. It doesn't matter if you're male or female. It's all about the, you know, the the energy and the and the persona that they have with inside them. To so just be yourself. You know, if you're having an amazing day, go wild. Be the yes. wild inner child. If you're having a bad day, just talk about it. Yeah. Just have that conversation, ring somebody that you love and care about or just ring a random stranger, ring me, ring you, you know, yeah. and just say, and I, I have had that happen, complete strangers just, uh, you know, catching on to something that I've shared or something like that and, you know, just wanting to have a conversation because sometimes one conversation can change everything, your yes. mood, your life, your career, you know, your relationships, anything. Some of the best conversations I've had are with strangers. Some yeah. of the most interesting uh, connections I've had with with strangers, particularly in um, in traveling. Again, you know, like before, you know, devices and things. When you traveled on a plane, uh, you know, long distance plane, you you chatted to the person next to you for yeah. hours. You, you know, a complete stranger. That's what you you did. I remember one trip. I always remember this because it was it was such a crazy ride. I was leaving. I was living in London. I was leaving London to move to, not to move to, to, to live, to go to Africa because I was going to overland in Africa in a Bedford army truck for, wow. for three months. And I, we were flying, I was flying because I was going on my own, flying Bulgarian airlines, I, I, you know, like the cheapest airline I could fly, right? And I thought it was a direct flight. But when we got on the flight, it was, um, they said, we're going to Sofia, Bulgaria. I, I had to look it up on the map. I was like, where's Sofia? Where am I going? <laughs> Why am I going that way when I'm supposed to be going that way? Like, what, what, what the hell? What's happening here, right? And then uh, so – and I was sitting next to this young fellow. Well, I was young too as well. We were both young, right? I was 18, I think, 18 or 19, and he was about the same. And he was going home to Zimbabwe, <clears throat> for um the holidays so he was at boarding school in the uk he was um white white african 
And so we got talking on the train and at that time AIDS had just come out and, and you know, they had the Grim Reaper ads and I remember we were talking about that and, you know, hearing about how it was impacting Africa and everything. And it was actually Christmas Eve. And he said to me, what are you doing? Why are you going to Africa? And I said, well, I'm, you know, going on this um, overland trip for three months and what have you. And I said, but I'm um, joining up with the truck, you know, in uh, two days time. And he said, well, where are you staying? I said, well, I'll work that out when I get there. I'm, you know, we're arriving in the day, so I'll, I'll find something. And he goes, no, no, you must come and stay, come and stay with us. Aww. And I'm like, really and you know in those days you did those things if you had a good feeling you were like okay you know kind of what's the worst I still do those things yeah (laughs) so we so and I we went and they lived on this absolutely beautiful farm out in the middle of nowhere in Zimbabwe and I met his family and his nephews and his nieces and his parents and we had this most amazing time I had this most amazing time and we went to see the movie I don't know if you remember it the gods must be crazy it was the oh my god I love that movie right (laughs) but can you imagine when you watch it in a in a cinema and you're the only white people and all the rest uh, local people, and they were in hysterics. I think I nearly peed my pants. I was laughing so hard because <laughs> I was laughing at them laughing and laughing at the movie. And it was just this experience. I mean, that happened, you know, more than 35 years ago. But it's an experience that I will take to my grave because oh. it was just the serendipity of, of everything, you know, finding myself on this flight going in the complete opposite direction that I expected <laughs> and then ending up in Africa on this beautiful property and going to this movie and yeah, you know, like there's so much of that that's lost. You know, you, how many times now do people talk on planes because people are too, you know, they want to do their work or they want to read their book or they want, you know, they, they got to get on their device and, you know, that kind of thing. And a lot it's, of those conversations are lost. Yeah. They be they sort of kind of isolated themselves to connect. Isn't that weird? Mm-hmm. You know, I yeah, I I totally agree. The traveling stories and talking to complete strangers are some of my best memories. Um, mm-hmm. I had a similar situation happen in Fiji. I was um just you know nature was calling, so there was no toilets. You just drive into the jungle. Yes. Had a car at the time. Ended up seeing these little ladies. Um, like they had big long sticks poking at things. I'm like, what are you doing? And they're like, oh you know, picking oranges. And this was like Fiji. Fiji is hot, much like Papua New Guinea and all the tropical island um, weather. It was like 38 degrees. Humidity was, oh, my goodness. And I'm like, would you guys like a lift to your village or wherever it is that you live? You know, and I, no, no, we're okay. I'm like, it's really hot. Like, you know, happy to. Because I had all these oranges that they were carrying, right? I opened up the boot and here I am driving with two ladies and their sticks like poking out like two meters. <laughs> the windows. Of the window. Oh, precious. Right? And then I get to the village and in Fiji, you have to be welcomed by the chief and everything. You know, there's a ritual that you've mm-hmm. got to go to before you get welcomed into the community. But once we did that, my goodness, I, you know, we had plans at the time to go to like, I think we were doing a fish. We were doing some sort of excursion. I said, cancel it. I want to stay here. Their backyard was absolutely stunning. I remember, you know, um, just walking out and I had like bareback horse riding, a volleyball net set up and a seesaw made out of a coconut tree. And the kids were just so grateful, you know, to see like white people. And I'm tan, but, you know, like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, vanilla people. than them. Exactly. 
And uh, yeah, we ended up spending all day there and just hearing stories and, you know, getting to know the children. I remember when I left, you know, one of the little girls, Annabelle, said, can I come with you? And I'm like, oh, my mom's going to like wonder where I found this yeah. child. <laughs> yes. I'm home with Annabelle, you know. But um, yeah, they, you know, what it taught me uh, and it made me really realize how great, how grateful um, we can be for the things that we do have because they were living there with no electricity, no clothes, their, their houses were like little literally made out of just concrete bricks you know they were living happy with... though don't you feel they absolutely were happy? absolutely yeah. had the same experience when I went back to Cambodia you know yeah. um rich to them was making sure that everybody was smiling yes from the heart that's it yes you know? and so when I left I um before I left I went back and I you know donated some things because you know I, I could and they appreciated it again Annabelle wanted to come home with me and said I can't right now I'll come back and visit you I promise <laughs> <laughs> but um it's yeah. you know had nature not called I never would have had that experience if that conversation had never happened because maybe I was you know too scared or whatever to speak to a complete stranger was picking oranges in the bush you know it never would have happened but I totally agree with you just striking up conversations I've done it in my travels in New York in Iceland in you know all the places um creating those memories is what life is all about isn't it and I think I love that you've touched on that we, we need to bring that back you know it's and it's easy to do locally as well. You know, I mean, yeah. uh, although my son gets embarrassed by it all the time, I still do it because he always like, Mom, why do you always talk to everyone? Like if I'm going to the supermarket and someone's having a coffee outside with their dog, I go up and say, oh, can I pet your dog? And then I end up in this big conversation with them about all sorts of things. And I say to him, you know, Callum, everyone's humans. You know, it's humans connecting with humans. And it doesn't always have to be in a formal situation through school or through work or what have you you can just connect with someone at the supermarket you can just connect someone waiting in line you know you can connect with someone waiting for a coffee you know and, I agree uh, yeah you know it doesn't have to be because you're on a, a wild adventure overseas or anything mm. like that it, it, it can be local I know when I walk uh, you know, uh, during COVID, I, I say whenever I walk, I say good day to everyone. Hi, mm -hmm. hi, you know, how are you? Oh, and if people are doing something in their front garden, oh, that looks lovely. What's that? What's that you're planting? And the next thing you know, you're in a 20 minute conversation about their garden, you know. And you're walking out with 65 lemons. Yeah, I've done that where they've gone, oh, would you, would you like some lettuce and things? And I'm like, uh, yeah, can I get it on my way back? You know? So they go, yeah, I'll leave it here for you. And so, yeah. It, is, it is so true because I remember, you know, in my area, I grew up and we have a milk bar around here and the guy remembers me, you know, it's been, mm -hmm. you know, God, like 20 plus years since we moved into this house. And I went back and he's like, hey, Margaret, you know, how are you? I'm like, oh my goodness. He's like, you still look the same. I'm like, all right. I know that I haven't grown taller, but. <laughs> <laughs> I always think it's interesting when people say that. I'm like, yeah, I think you might need glasses. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's um, been some changes but yeah like I, I hope that you know people who hear us you know dialoguing in this can realize that you know connections can happen anywhere at any time it doesn't have to be you know um, something that you have to try to do or try to make happen it can happen very organically and uh, even if one is shy like you know going up to someone to ask them if you can pat their dog is you know doesn't really require a great deal of effort you know kind of thing 
Yeah, that's right. You know, I'm all about people using their own voices. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I I definitely see the need for that. You know, I'm Mm -hmm. working on a few projects as well with a couple of people where we're creating that community for people to come in and connect, connect with themselves, connect with their children and connect with the wider community and just lend a hand. You know, there's a lot of people out there that, um, you know, one of my friends has launched a business for uh, children that have come from, you know, troubled homes to give them a sense of community and allow them the opportunity to work because we've spent a lot of time at work yeah so being at work being at work and having that sense of family around you again building that culture and showing them that no you don't have to be on the streets doing those things and you know you're going to experiment experiment or whatever but you don't have to go down that path and stay Mm. that path to have Mm. that sense of belonging anywhere you know we've got um places and things that you can do where you can actually earn something and contribute um you know back to the community it's so important so yeah I really like that you um you know touch on that so important so important to have that heart-to-heart hug Uh, yes probably the thing that I miss the most (laughs) yes yes I I can understand why um all the dog shelters and uh uh everything is empty because you know people who are on their own want to have that connection and so they've been reaching out to get dogs and cats and animals so that they can at least have that connection um because that's what we're about right we're absolutely we're beings that need that connection yeah that's right that's how we that's how we do life you know we're all just here to Find people like we did in kindy that we love to have fun with and do life with and smile with. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, how much time do we have? Does anybody know? No, that's right. Could end all tomorrow for all we know. You just don't know. This could be the last podcast I ever do. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I had fun. I laughed. We shared some stories and it it was a good day. But, um, you know, yeah, it's so important that people realise how important it is to be present in the moment that you're in with whoever you're with because you'll never you never know how much you might impact their life you mm-hmm. know could be something you do could be something you share could be something you say and then they just make decisions that for you know uh, inspire them to do whatever it is that they thought about doing but never did before the conversation with you yes and remember like one of the things that we i mean i remember one of the things um that Anthony Robbins said about, you know, the difference between, um, you know, good and exceptional is 1%, right? So if just in a conversation or just um, being empathetic or just to listen in a moment, that could be the 1% shift that someone needed that can send them on a completely different, you know, pathway. And, I totally um, agree. And that is actually what happened with me as well. So, you know, good pickup right there. If I hadn't had the opportunity gifted to me to be at a round table and share my story about all the things that had happened that had brought me to this moment, mm-hmm. we might not be having this conversation today mm. because I was too scared to use my own voice. I didn't mm. feel that I could, you know. So when my friend said to me, you're going to launch a podcast? I'm like, I know, right? If someone has said that to me three years ago, I'd have been like, yeah, right. I'm not, like, forget about it. That's, that's not for me. Not going to happen, you know. <laughs> Yeah. And here you are. You know what? It's so much fun now. Once you get out of your own way and realize that you're doing things in life because you love it and other people flock to you, you know, you become like a magnet of positivity. And but I'm all about people really facing themselves, you know. That that's how I I had my growth. 
um, just, you know, whatever it is that's going on for you, have a conversation because it's likely that somebody else has been through that and they can either guide you through that or, um, you know, or just be an ear. If you don't want any advice, just listen. Yes. It's very rarely that uh, I don't think there's really anything that people before us haven't haven't gone through. There'll always be someone that can um, help you because they've they've been down that road before. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. just got to connect with them. Well, I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation, and thank you for 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 having me on your podcast. Oh, it's been amazing having you on. Thank you so much. I've got one last question. Sure. If you could describe your life in a metaphor, how would you do that? A metaphor? God, I'm not very good at metaphors. But <laughs> okay. Describe if you life. don't have a if you don't have a metaphor, uh, mm-hmm. a message to the world, something that you want to leave for people. Life is your own adventure, and you are the um, author of that adventure. So just take the first step and see where that path takes you. Beautiful. I love that. You are the author. You are the navigator. You, know, mm-hmm. you are the pilot. You are the person that dictates where you want to go, right? So take that first scary step, leap out of that plane or get lost in the jungles of Africa. Yes. <laughs> or and just see where it leads you. <laughs> Whatever that means for you. Um, thank you so much, Carolyn, for coming on. My pleasure. Absolute I um, have loved having you on and given you have so much background in traveling and I want to bring you back and okay. you know, hear more about that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I really appreciate your time. Uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I've learned so much about you and this is our first conversation that we've had together. So um, thank you for being so open and vulnerable and taking the time out of your day to be here with us. My absolute pleasure. Absolute <laughs> pleasure. Lovely to meet you too. Thank you so much. All right. Take care.